in case you're joining us for the first time in a while, uh, this year we've been in the rhythm of taking a, a, a regular look at some spiritual disciplines, a few at a time. It's been our, it's been our prayer that this uh, seasonal dosage of, of uh, looking at some spiritual disciplines would contribute to your, con- your spiritual growth and to our collective spiritual growth as a church. Last winter, we, we looked at a few prayer, fasting, community and solitude. We'll look at some more at the end of the summer, uh, end of August, beginning of September. We'll look at some more at uh, probably around November. This spring, we've, we've been looking at a few, a few more. The, the disciplines of rest and the discipline of meditation. So today, as we wrap up our spring mini-series, we're, we're looking at the subject of study. What in the world is study? Why is it so crucial? Well, everyone in this room has been in a conversation with someone, somewhere, where you've said something like, wait, 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 wait. Help me understand what you meant by that. Could be a heated discussion or not. Or, wait, 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 wait. Help me understand the background story of why X event happened or, wait, 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 help me understand why you said this and not that, or why you did this and not that. So over a cup of coffee or some La Festa, they do just that, and as imperfect as they are, uh, they, they shed light on a given subject. And sometimes you have this, ah, you know, aha moment, eureka moment. Ah, I understand now. And you grow in your understanding of what they mean. Why such and such happened? Why, why, why they said this or that? But more, more than anything, more than those things, you've grown in your relationship with that person. You've, you've grown in your understanding of who they are, what makes them tick, what makes them value the things they value. What are we doing when we have those conversations? We're studying. We're studying. Now, I'm not suggesting the next time you have a meaningful conversation with someone like that, you say, hey, I'm studying you. Kind of kills the moment. But, but at its root, it's true. Studying, being curiously engaged about what makes a person tick, how they communicate it, is a natural part of growing our relationship with that person. A friend, a neighbor, a coworker, you name it. Question, should we expect anything less than our relationship with God? The, the one who made us, the one who redeemed us for himself, who calls us his own. Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he he offered this final prayer for us in John 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all who who you have given him. And this, now listen to this, verse three. This is eternal life, that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. 
Eternal life. That's, that's not something that we wait for. No, no, no. It's not something that happens after we die. No, it, beca- it begins now. Jesus has boiled down the essence of eternal life to one thing, that we know him. That we know him. Eternal life, the eternal life he offers us is that, that we know him, what makes him tick, what he values. And like any relationship, we, we need him to speak. We need him to communicate. Well, good news. God is a God who speaks. God is a God who communicates to us. God is a God who makes his heart known to us. So before the, before the world was formed, before anything was made, God, God's first series of actions was what? Genesis 1, God speaking the world into existence. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, 14, 20, 22, 24, 26, 28, 29 are all references to him speaking. God is making it crystal clear that he is a God who speaks who communicates, who is not um, staying in a cloud of ambiguity. He wants us to know what makes him tick. He wants us to know what he loves. He wants us to know what he hates. So the reason you and I are alive is because God spoke us into existence. The reason any of us have new life in him is because the word of God, Jesus Christ, became flesh. But unlike human relationships, in our relationship with God, we we can't literally sit down over a cup of coffee or a slice of pizza and, and, and ask, you know, help me understand what you meant by that. Or help me understand the context of why this happened and not that. Or help me understand why you said this and did that and not the other thing. But just like any other relationship, our relationship with God grows through study. It grows through study. Studying the way he communicates. How does he do that? I've, uh, I've talked with many people who say that being outside in the natural world is their cathedral, much more than this. And I understand that to an extent. I certainly do. There's a value in looking at the natural world and what it says about him. A hike in the White Mountains, uh, a walk along the rugged main coast, you know, collecting monarch caterpillars and you know, watching their transformation over the week's um, of them transforming into a, something totally new. It's such a picture of God's creative ability. It's unbelievable. Being amazed at the power of a thunderstorm, looking up at the stars on a clear night, um, never fails to remind me of just how small and powerless I really am. I love this uh, This passage in Psalm 19, verse 1 says, 
The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. You hear that? Nature itself tells us something about God. The, the natural world is one way God is telling us how he ticks, how he operates. But hear this. It's not the only way. In fact, we, we, we'd be clueless if nature were the only way God communicated to us. The, the, the primary way he communicates is through his word, through the Bible, through scripture. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Breathed out by God means inspired by God. It means all scripture reflects the mind of God and the story it tells displays the, the, the hand of God. Um, an explanation in our, of our statement of faith written in a little book that we use in, in uh, middle school um, called Evangelical Convictions says this about the Bible. When we say that the Bible is a verbally inspired book, we mean that God has worked by his Holy Spirit through the instrumentality of the whole personality, life experiences, and literary talents of its human authors to produce the very words that God desired to be written to reveal himself and his purposes to human beings. All scripture is God-breathed. All of it is profitable. It shows us the truth. That's teaching. It exposes our rebellion. That's, that's what it means by reproof. It corrects our faulty way of thinking. That's what it means by correction. And it trains us to live God's way, training in righteousness. God speaks to us through Scripture. But for what reason? Verse 17 tells us that we may be complete, equipped for every good word. Another word for um, this word translated complete is, is capable or proficient. Another word uh, that's translated uh, equipped means useful or fully furnished. So, put them, put them together. Capable of being useful. When I, was, uh, when I moved into my first apartment, uh, the only thing I had were my bed and some clothes. I was completely useless to my roommates. I wasn't capable of being useful to my roommates in the kitchen. No pots, no pans, nothing. I wasn't capable of being useful to my roommates in the living room. I didn't supply one thing, not a couch, not an overstuffed chair, not a TV, zilch. I, didn't, I wasn't capable of being useful in the dining room. They had to provide the dining room table. They had to provide the chairs. 
That's what Paul says is a result of time in his word, that we would be capable of being useful to others. That's God's end game with each of us, each and every one, that we would be capable of being useful. So if you, if you weren't here last week, I'd, I highly recommend Tim's message um, last week when he talked about the, the discipline of meditation and meditating on God's word, um, of digesting and savoring it. And I will say that there's some overlap between these two disciplines of study and meditation, but there, there is a key difference. Jesus was, was famously asked one time, you know, teacher, Matthew 22, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your mind. In other words, love him with everything. Love him with everything. This is all of life, but meditation in particular <clears throat> you might have questions of the text you're reading or you're meditating on, but you're purposefully quieting your mind, tabling those questions for later, intentionally not studying. You're asking God to speak to your heart. You're meditating. Study is the time to bring those questions to the forefront. And we all have questions. We all have questions. Think about it. We're seeking to hear from God through this ancient but timeless text. Uh, a text that was written originally to a culture that was in many ways very different than ours. And in other ways, pretty much the same. There's nothing new under the sun. Nevertheless, God invites our questions and wants to, to show us what he means for us today. I, I, I feel like we live in a, uh, an age, in a culture, which basically says, eh, we, who knows? We can't know. That's not true. We can know. So when Jesus Quoting Leviticus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Studying is one of the key ways we love God with our mind. So if God is making us capable to be useful, going back to 2 Timothy 3, if that's his end game, how do we study his word? How do we study his word? So I am going to provide a not an exhaustive list, but a list of five things, uh, five ways we can grow in this discipline of study. But first, I want to preface it this way. Um, <clears throat> one, there's one question that should always, must always guide our interpretation of Scripture, and it's this. Ready? What did the human author originally intend to say to his original audience. That's the first principle of interpretation. That should be, that, that, that should guide us to the meaning of the text. For instance, 
So that's the main question. What is the original intent? Under that question are questions like, what was going on historically? What was going on politically? What were the cultural and religious tensions going, going on in the background? For instance, the parable of the prodigal son. Does it make a difference for, for us that Jesus was mostly talking to the religious elites, mostly talking to the Pharisees when he told that? Yes, it must. He, he's speaking to the elder brothers of his day. Uh, Genesis 1. Genesis 1 was written to the people of God after he rescued them from Egypt, but before he brought them into the promised land. Was Genesis 1 intended to be a full explanation of how the world came to exist, as we know it? Or was it intended to be an explanation of who God is and why we exist? Other questions related to what the human author intended for his audience. Um, how is the language and the range of uses of words different than English? English in the 21st century. What is the form of this part of scripture? Is it a poem? Is it a proverb? Is it a narrative? Is it a, uh, a, an epistle or a letter? And how does that inform our understanding of the meaning? The, the main question, though, is what did the human author intend to say to his original audience? Without remaining tethered to this question, you know, we, we, we get off in all kinds of directions. We get way off base with what God meant 3,500 years ago, what he meant 2,000 years ago, and what he means for us today. So, that's the end of my preface. Five steps for us to grow in this discipline of study. Number one is doing what you're doing now. Listening to a sermon. Regularly listening to a sermon. Uh, number two is, is gathering with a community group. That, that always involves studying God's word. Un unlike listening to, to, to one of us talk up here in monologue fashion, talking at you, uh, a community group offers uh, you a chance to dialogue with others. It's amazing to see and hear the insights that come from a group something that can be attained by when you're by yourself. Um, Adele Calhoun offers a, a few helpful ways we can, we can grow in our study of God's word. I'll, I'll share just two. So the third one is um, the, the uh, detective method. I'll paraphrase, but, uh, but she writes, read a passage from scripture if you're reading a narrative section like one of the Gospels, let the story take shape in your mind's eye. Imagine the scene. Observe all the facts. Ask the who, the when, the where, what questions. Once you have the facts, interpret the, the facts. What meaning did the actions have for the original characters? What meaning do the actions have 
for you sitting in your first century, uh, 21st century situation. Then apply your study to your own life. Ask, you know, how, how will this change my life? You can um, supplement these with, uh, with a few resources. Uh, I can't re recommend enough. Just getting a simple study Bible, um, like the ESV study Bible or the NLT study Bible, that is worth um, more than its weight in gold. Um, I'd also recommend the, the Bible Project. Um, the Bible Project is a great resource. They offer um, short but really outstanding videos um, overviewing every si single book of the Bible, word studies, uh, examining how a word was used by authors uh, at different times and, ha and how that affects the meaning. They cover themes like the law, the Holy Spirit, the the, the way of the exile, and, and much, much more. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're adding to, to, to their list daily, almost. Um, they, they also offer a, a good podcast. Um, so, again, that, that's the Bible Project, and they can be found on bibleproject.com. So, that's the detective method. So, first, listening to a sermon. Second, gathering with a community group. Third is this detective uh, method that I've just described. Fourth is the, uh, is the treasure seeker method. This is, this is Calhoun writing again. When, re when, when reading scripture, consider the following application questions. Is there an example here for me to follow? Is there a, a promised claim or a command to obey? Is there a truth to be applied? Is there a prayer for me to pray? Is there a sin to be confessed? Is there a question God is asking me? The, the fifth way to grow in your study of God's word is to memorize, memorize, memorize. Um, start small. Take a verse that, that God keeps bringing to your attention and write that down on a little card or put it in your phone someplace where you will remember to look at it. And look at it regularly, daily, sometimes multiple times a day. Over time, let this, you know, that little list grow and watch what happens. Jesus used scripture a lot to, to, to answer those who tested him, to resist temptation, to encourage his own heart, to remind him of who he is and who, um, who the Father is, to comfort others, to explain his actions, to submit to the Father's will, and ultimately to face his own death. In all of these instances, have you ever thought about this? In all of these instances, we don't see Jesus flipping through his Bible. No, it was written on his heart. He had internalized it so much that it was, it was ingrained within his very soul. That's, that's where we need to be.
That's the point of memorization. 1 Corinthians 8, um, the last part of verse 1 says, We know that all of us possesses knowledge, and this, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. In other words, we don't study the Bible to acquire facts. We don't study the Bible to acquire badges. We don't study to win arguments. We don't study to be right. We study it because we need it. We need it for life. We study it not for information, but for transformation. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. We study it to give life to others, to be um, complete and equipped, to be useful, to be capable to be useful. A major part of spiritual growth is, is learning to live within the limitations of our commitments. That's, that's what this focus on spiritual disciplines has been and continues to be. Spiritual disciplines are chosen intentional habits we develop as we learn to live within the limitations of our commitments. Every spiritual discipline costs us something. Studying the Bible will cost you time, cost you energy, cost you attention. Think about it. We are limited beings. We can't give our time, energy, focus to a thousand different things that our culture would love us to give attention to. We are inundated with information. And we, we as royal priests, have to put up the barriers, have to put up the fence and say, no, 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 no. That's not what I am committed to. I am committed to God. I am committed to the one who died for me, who says, I belong to him and he belongs to me. I am committed to that one, not anything else. We need to hear the Father inviting us as he does in Isaiah 55. We read this a lot before, um, particularly before we preach. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money, your time, energy, attention, focus, why do you spend those for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Hear this. Listen to me diligently and eat what's good and delight yourselves in rich foods. Let's pray. Father, we all confess that there are a thousand things clamoring for, for our attention and time and focus. So many times, so often, 
our, our Bible, which contains the words of life, so often sit on our shelf collecting dust. Other, uh, others of us confess our, our over-desire for the acquisition of knowledge and, and for all the wrong reasons, God. Lord, as much as we know how and, and as much as we are able, we take you up on your invitation to come to the waters, to drink from the well which satisfies, to eat that which you alone can provide. Lord, help us, help us this week to establish some next steps with you. You alone are our good shepherd. You alone um, provide for us in just the way we need. You protect us. You lead and guide us. We're privileged to be considered your sheep. Help us to listen to your voice. We love you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.